and welcome to Seducing Aliveness. We're so glad you're here. And by we, I mean myself, Jen Halterman, and Tamara Yonker. Good morning, Tamara. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I've been having such a couple of lovely mornings here in Colorado where it's just um, cool and a little overcast and cool and quiet, which is a delight. Uh, delightful uh, variation from the normal just heat wave we've been having for the last couple months. So I'm just I'm just breathing that in and enjoying it for what it is this morning. <clears throat> That's yummy. I love that. Mm-hmm. I have a sister who visited Colorado and she was saying it was cool and nice and she was up in the um, Summit County area and she was saying how lovely it was and I was like, yeah, meanwhile, my weather app is saying heat index is somewhere between, oh, my God, and what the fuck. And <laughs> here in Texas, it's a little different. I got this, this weather app that is humorous, right? And so today I check it. It says hot with a chance of frizzy hair. I immediately clipped up my hair. I'm like, you know what? Not going to mess with it. Happy to clip <laughs> up my hair today. <laughs> so wherever you are, whatever the weather is you're experiencing, because in some parts of the world it's actually winter, I hope that you're enjoying whatever it is that's available to you today as we are going to enjoy talking about leaving the safety of the drama triangle we have had some fun shows this week with the victim, villain, and hero. What great conversations. Yep. Yeah, really. And and it was interesting just chatting for a few moments before we went live, kind of looking at today's topic, which is leaving uh, the safety of the dra- drama triangle. And I bet there's a lot of people out there who are going, ooh, like safety of the drama triangle? What does that mean? And... um one of the things that I said uh, several times is that we tend to feel, whether we're acknowledging this or not, there tends to be this sort of automatic feeling of safety in sameness. And right okay. now, most of the people on the planet are on the drama triangle, and they're they're playing that game, as we've been calling it. And so there is a, a sense of like, that makes me like everyone else. That makes me feel like I'm not different, like I fit in. And so there is, even though it may not be fun, uh, or you may discover at some point after doing it long enough that it's not fun, um, that there's still a degree of safety in the sameness that that makes me like everybody else. And I fit in. I don't stand out. And standing out can feel risky, um, there's a lot of people who are not willing to risk being different, being perceived as being different. And um, one of the things that uh, the drama triangle does is that it, 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 it tends to um, determine our emotions. It's interesting how we, we've been – it's almost like indoctrinated to have certain responses to certain experiences – and I remember having a conversation many years ago. I was, I was uh, talking with someone who was contemplating coming to one of my classes. And uh, she, you know, I just asked her some questions about what it, what it was she was looking to change in terms of uh, attending the class. And that was one of the things that she was very, she, she was aware that she was very reactive, um, but she didn't know what was possible to change it. And as I investigated, you know, tell me more, getting curious about what she knew. Like, what's your awareness about this reactionary state that you find Mm -hmm. yourself in that you're not really happy with? 
And she, this was interesting. She knew she was very reactive, but she didn't believe that she had a choice. She would start talking about, you know, what people were, well, this person did this and this person did this. And then she, they upset me and they made me angry and this hurt my feelings. And, and she was, there was a degree of awareness that she was sort of at the effect of all these other people and what they were doing and doing to her, but she didn't believe she had a choice. And the more I explored that and just asked some exploratory questions around it, she started, she started really defending her position that she didn't have a choice. And she said, well, if someone did that to you, you'd, you know, you'd get mad too. And I said, well, no, actually I wouldn't. I mean, I said, actually I wouldn't. And she's like, well, what do you mean? You know, she, she did not. And so we, we talked for a little while, the conversation and she wouldn't, she got very defensive at that point. It's funny because she, she wanted to come to the class because she was looking for change. And as I invited her into the space of possibility where change can occur, she shifted 180 degrees and went into the defense of how that what I was saying wasn't possible. What I was, what I was inviting her to was that you have a choice that your response to how somebody behaves or what somebody says to you or what somebody chooses is actually not set in stone. Like it's not, um, there is, there is a space where you can choose. She had been under the belief that it was automatic. If somebody does this, you, you, your automatic response is to be angry about it. If somebody does this, your automatic response is to be upset or hurt about it. And I was like, well, no, actually you have the, there's a space of choice in there. And this is this is the kind of the drama triangle, right? When you're on the drama triangle, it's almost that you have these protocols of how to react, how to be, and um, it's part of what you know keeps us on the triangle and keeps us shifting so fluidly from one place to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. And 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 part of it is just like, well, that's how people are. If you've ever said, well, that's just how I am. Um, you're defending your, your position or you're defending your identity. Um, and, and the thing is, you always have a choice, but sometimes the choice you could be making feels risky. And you're like, well, but if I choose off of that, what are people going to think? Because then I'm not going to have that programmed reaction of, uh, of you know, jumping on their bandwagon and showing that, you know, I, look, let, let me show you how much I care by aligning and agreeing and colluding with your story. If I stop doing that, that's a risky, you know, that, per, that person might get angry with me. That person might, um, you know, break off their friendship with me. That person, like, there's a risk in choosing to um, get off the triangle because you're, you're suddenly not going to be, it may not look like you're reacting in the same way as everybody else. And people might be like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I've, I've had that delivered at me more than once because I didn't have the predicted emotional reaction to something. And it's like, what's wrong with her? You know, cold, uncaring, all those kinds of things. So, so there is this, oddly enough, there can be a sense of safety that we feel by continuing to participate in this because everybody does it. It must be normal. Not necessarily. Just because everybody does it, doesn't make it natural. It might be, it might be the most common, the most typical, um, the most prevalent, but that doesn't make it natural. 
So it's like really beginning to get curious, as we've talked about, and say, is this really how I want to continue? Do I want to continue in this way? Am I willing to take the risk and, um, and perhaps feel, I mean, can sometimes we don't choose things because we feel they're, they're scary, it's threatening, and it's, it's just safer to stay where it's more comfortable and familiar. What do you want to choose? Absolutely. Right. And that's really, wow, that's so key. And I love that introduction. And as I was listening and reflecting on some situations I found myself in, you know, there is a, kind of this society's acceptable predetermined emotions that are projected on others so that we're in safety and sameness. Like society has, you know, come to the conclusion that this is the most common response to this. So therefore this is what is acceptable and anything outside of this out of the ordinary and uncomfortable for everybody else that chooses the sameness, or maybe they have that experience. So they relate to it. So when they see something different, they go, well, that's odd. That doesn't make sense. That." What's wrong with them? And there is, it is a little bit of a, I don't know, I'm such, I don't have a problem being a rebel or a way changer or I'm a huge instigator and I have no problem with that. But there are people who get so uncomfortable. In fact, it's so funny. I've got some friends that they love to say in the societal norm when they're in certain circles, like business setting, okay. I run the game, I run the gamut of playing the societal norm when I go to a business meeting. But outside of that, I let my freak flag fly, you know, like, I'm all good out here. But in there, man, I look normal as can be. People would have no idea who I am out there. And they, that's a game they play. And I've been in settings where they're warning me, like, no, 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 Jen, please, 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 please play the game I'm playing. Please play the game I'm playing. Don't be you. And, you know, this really came up when I was in, in some past relationships, you know, of the educated graduates with the alphabet suit behind your name, and that's what your status was on. And here I am, the winging psychic life coach, who those alphabets don't, I don't even know what they mean. Like, I get they're important to that person, but they don't elevate somebody's stature with me or sitting around a table with a bunch of law enforcement people and there I am and they're talking about investigating crimes and I'm like hi what you goodness <laughs> and uh, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself wow this is really interesting you know because I've got all the intuition and the psychic abilities that I happen to have floating around buzzing my attention and yet it's my choice it's my choice. A lot of people will say, I'm not going to be on the drama triangle because I'm not going to play according to society. And yet I can show up and not insist on my whatever rebel or my uniqueness on everybody, but I can sit there in my uniqueness. And, mm. and I think that that's part of the safety is I'm not going to, I'm not going to make a big deal. I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to hide it. That's not what we're talking about. We're just talking about part of the drama triangle is the infliction. Part of the drama triangle is when there is some level of have-tos and shoulds and behavior and interactions. That's part of what makes it drama. You know, I can sit there and choose to not engage in conversation that I know I'm just going to be pushing buttons and freaking people out because it would be fun. 
And I can just sit there and be like, yeah, I'm not gonna, I don't need to inflict that to be who I am. I don't need them to validate that I'm different and unique and special to, to be here. I can choose that. And some people think that that's selling out or, you know, whatever that is. But really, a lot of your choices come in the reaction to something and how you respond to something. That's where your big choices are because one of the biggest things I've, I've heard when it comes to people and their emotional response, something, well, of course you'd feel this way. That's just what people feel if this happens in their life. Well, okay, I get that that's the societal norm. And your response to it, however, you have absolute choice. Like, I get it. I do know shit happens you don't have choice about. Well, I can't help it. You know, my daughter died. Yeah, I get that. And how I chose to respond to it was mine. Yeah, grief had its way with me, but I still was a choice in that. And that's where I think that we leave that safety, the illusion of safety of those automatic responses and go into what do we want to choose to create. Yeah. And I think that's a big piece of um, something that's been a thread throughout the week, which is really acknowledging um, part of getting off the drama triangle, if that's what you desire, is acknowledging your power, acknowledging that you have innate power instead of fall on the fallback position, the backdoor position, which is, I don't know how to do it. I can't, I'm incapable. uh, I'm powerless. I'm helpless in the face of this, whatever Uh this is, whatever adversity, whatever challenge, whatever struggle, I'm helpless and powerless. I don't have a choice in the face of it. So what you're saying right there is that we have choice in how we react or respond there is what seems to be the automatic protocol of like if this happens and so that's the normal response or reaction, mm-hmm. which when, where did that come from? This is me back going to, you know, Simon says, like where did that get determined that that's the appropriate response or reaction? I mean, I, I, I was sharing with Jen just before the show started that I went to a funeral earlier this week, and I hadn't been to a funeral in many, many, many years. I've probably only been to like three in my whole life. Um, and, and I was like, I, I, everything to me is an experiment. Every moment of every day is an experiment. It's like, hmm, I wonder what this is going to be like. Hmm, I wonder what happens if I do this. Hmm, I wonder what that's like. I'm constantly just in that wonderment and curiosity. Um, because I, I've discovered that co- conclusions have uh, just, it's like every time I fall into a conclusion, it's like a smackdown, and I got tired of being smacked down. So I was like, I just think I'll be in curiosity instead. <laughs> so so as I'm uh, going to this funeral, it's not somebody I knew, actually. I was there to support my partner uh, with some, one of his family members, and I was just like, hmm, I wonder what this is going to be like, because I have no idea. I don't even know these people. This is going to be, like, everything about this is going to be novel for me. And uh, and I show up, and I know that there's, like, these common things that people say, and there's this common way of behaving. You're supposed to be sad, and it's supposed to be somber and serious. And, and I was just like, huh, I wonder how this is going to be, because I don't know. And I show up, and I'm like, yep okay, we're doing the somber, sad, serious, like that seems to be the the um, the party line that everybody's taking and I'm sorry for your loss and all of that. And I was just like, what if I just don't play any of those roles? What if I just show up and be? Because actually that feels most comfortable for me is to just be and then, be, and then, and then 
there's nothing I feel like I have to do or say. If I just show up, I can be, and then I can meet every moment as it arises because I'm not in any conclusion. I'm just really being present. And that's what I chose. And so I didn't say anything to anybody. I didn't say, I'm sorry for your loss. I didn't, I didn't say any of that, like, kind of stuff you're supposed to say. Or I, I, and it kind of felt <laughs> like I was in a movie. It really, as I'm going through the, the, the day and, you know, people getting in the limo and driving over to the church and then there's the casket and, there's, and it was an open casket and, you know, people saying their parting goodbyes. I mean, it was literally like a picture-perfect movie of things I've seen, you know, of funerals I've seen in, in movies or TV shows or whatever. <laughs> and I was like, wow, like this is, and, and everyone was sort of doing the things that they're supposed to boo, do. And I'm not saying that there wasn't genuine sadness there I'm not saying that but it was all I could also perceive this overlay of this is the attitude we're supposed to have we're supposed to be serious we're supposed to be you know and and I was just like okay and I and I couldn't help but wonder what if everyone was just allowed to be however they were like what Mm -hmm. if the people who weren't actually sad were allowed to not be sad and what if the people you know like what if everyone could just be whatever they were and there wasn't the right thing to say or the right thing to do but just whatever what if you just were able to be in this experience and just be whatever that's to me is is kind of beginning to look at something is what if there's not safety in being a right way or, uh, or avoiding being a wrong way? What if there's just whatever way you're feeling, you know, I mean, I actually walked around smiling at everybody at the funeral, but that what, that's what I, I it just felt natural to do. And people probably uh-huh. were wondering what the hell is she smiling about? I don't know, but I went around smiling at everybody. And <laughs> it just was like, what if, what if we could just be, and and my sense is that this drama triangle is is where we've been indoctrinated indoctrinated into being certain ways, being upset about certain things. There there will one of the things is that I've noticed as I've stepped off this triangle is there has been times when and I can think of a um, several specific examples where uh, something had occurred into my life and like I would have this immediate reaction of upset. And within 30 seconds or probably even less, maybe 10 or 15 seconds, I was, I was able to actually be aware, wait, I'm not actually upset. It was almost like that was the automatic response. You know, you push this button, this response happens, and it was automatic. And then I was like, wait, that's, if I, if I continue along that, that's fake. Like, that's, I'm not actually upset about that. And the first time it happened, it was so bizarre and surreal to recognize that I, I, what I did was automatic, and yet the, the, my body, like my nervous system, didn't match the behavior. And, and in that moment, I remember sitting down on a chair, and I was like, wow, this is weird. Because I, like, I just had that reaction, and I'm not actually upset. I'm not actually sure how I feel about this, because this is the first time this has ever happened. But I... Mm-hmm. I was like on automatic pilot because that was the, uh, that's what, what you should do in that, in that instance. It's like, you know, this happens and like, Oh my God, that's appalling. That's upsetting. And then after the first time it happened, I noticed it happened again and again and again and again, there would be these times when something would be like, I should get upset about this. 
And then within seconds, I would be like, but I'm not actually upset. That to me was showing myself, like it was an actual demonstration of where I was choosing off the triangle because I could have gone along with the protocol of being upset and making it somebody else's fault and getting angry and hurt feelings and all of that stuff. And I realized it would actually take more effort. Like I'd actually have to rile myself up and and it would be very effortful to go down that path than to not be upset. And yep. and the first few times it happened, it was a little awkward. I got to say, it was a little awkward. And then I was like, wow, this is actually me noticing what's natural for me beyond the drama triangle, beyond, you know, that the safety and the sameness and, and um, not being risk being weird and different. I was like, Whoa, this is actually what's natural to me. And then I started looking for that more and more and more. I started looking for what was natural to me. Part of that, developing that inner authority and trusting that implicitly. If I try and make myself go through the motions of something that's not true for me, that is like the most mm-hmm. uncomfortable thing I could ever put myself through now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and I think that that's very, I don't know how common it is, but I think it's very, oh, what is illuminating? Like, I think that when I started experiencing that, and I was able to see beyond my auto response system, beyond the program, and I just observed situations, I became very aware of how much of my own emotions, I didn't even know what they would be in a certain moment. Mm-hmm. I knew that yeah. they'd be according to program. And that was very illuminating me. And it did, it kind of furthered my curiosity. It also really enhanced my humor and that's one of the biggest things that I will, I will tell people is if you leave the safety of what is, you know, pre-programmed or the scripts that are running or the stories that interact with certain stories and all the, all the roles that come out, blah, 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 according to the triangle, if you are willing to lighten up about it, if you're willing to have a sense of humor about your experience as you leave, you will find so much more humor in life. Things will entertain you for the sheer delight of something is going on that's entertaining you instead of going to judgment of right or wrong. Because now when I am around and truly, you know, maybe I observe something with my family, it's a dynamic that in the past I would have been like pissed off and wanting to be superior about or give advice or fix it or whatever it would be. Now when it's, it's almost like, oh, my gosh, I didn't even know that that was, like, possible to show up, but just like it has in every other family conversation, there it is. Ta-da! Instead, I'm entertained by it. Instead of annoyed, instead of going to judgment and separation, oh, my gosh, you always do this. Instead, I see the humor. I see the, the cosmic joke. I see the orchestration of family dynamics playing out beautifully, and it lets me find humor and lighten up really about all situations. I've seen it in so many ways that, you know, I can be as serious as I want to be and I can stick to roles or I can really look at what am I actually seeing here because I don't see what's going on anymore. Now I see, like, what's the energy of this? What's the game that's being played? What's the goal? Mm -hmm. Because what do I want to create? I can see what somebody's wanting to create. 
not because I'm sitting judging, but because they're showing it so obviously. And if I pay attention, I can actually see it. And it, it takes life from being conclusionary and judgmental to like, huh, well, there's that. Okay, cool. Now what's going to happen? And it's just like, like I said, like watching a TV show instead of making it all personal about my worth and value. Mm, yeah. I just, it makes me really wonder about um, how much of our reactions are our own versus having watched somebody like in my family of origin, having my watched my mother have certain reactions to my father. And, Mm -hmm. and I mean, I, I'm a little kid. I'm not in relationship. I'm watching my parents be in relationship, but I'm not going to be in relationship till, you know, many, 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 many years later, but I'm watching my mother have certain reactions to my father. And how much do I watch that and go, Oh, like, that's how it is. Like you, you kind of mimic it or, watch on TV how um, how friends interact with other friends. I'm, I'm thinking of my little cousin who sits and watches like Dora the Explorer, right? And there have all kinds of little dramas on Dora the Explorer and how much of him is learning how to react based on what he's watching on TV. Until we right. have that, that novel experience for ourselves and really like that's what I, what I realized was happening in those moments is because I'd, I'd actually – bought that there was a certain reaction that was appropriate based on what I'd seen other people do, whether it was growing mm-hmm. up in my family or watching other people or watching TV or whatever. It's just like, oh, that's, that's what happens. And, and that was the realization is that my, a lot of my reactions weren't my own. They weren't mine. They were somebody else's. And I was just going, I was just acting it out because I thought, you know, oh, when, when somebody says this to you, then, you know, if my dad says this to my mom, then my mom has this reaction. Oh, that's how you react. I like, how do we yep. know? <laughs> how do we know what's authentic, what's sincere, what's genuine from us if we just keep acting out what we've seen other people do? And that was where I really started to notice in those moments when I was like, oh, this isn't actually like this is I'm I, I'm like trying to it's like an actor acting out something that wasn't authentic to me that wasn't genuine for I was like wait but I'm not actually mad about that I'm not actually mm-hmm. upset about that and and I think it's really a, a an amazing thing to get curious about is start noticing where have you picked up re- your reactions from other people or other places and they're not naturally intrinsic to you you wouldn't actually have that reaction if it wasn't sort of um, uh, predetermined as the right reaction. Mm. It's amazing. Right. It's amazing yeah. how when you get curious about that, you start to see, oh, that does actually doesn't upset me. I actually don't care about that. It's not something that's you know, feels significant to me. Yep. Yes. It's very different for different people. I mean, it, and – I think if we give ourselves permission, okay, to leave the safety, which what is safety? Safety is like really thinking that you're free from danger, that you can somehow get through life unscathed, uninjured, unhurt, and yet you're playing with villains. Like just think about that for a minute. It's not safe on the triangle. It's just familiar. Yeah. Let that sink in. Where in life are you considering yourself? 
safe and actually it's just familiar. Because if you say, I'm leaving the familiarity of the drama triangle and going into the unknown, you have a whole different awareness of, wow, I really am giving myself permission to not know shit. Like, I have no idea how to react in this situation. I'm giving myself permission to not stay in the familiar. Okay, now you know what you're dealing with. But if you think, if you've somehow bought into that you're more safe in what you're familiar with, then that looks like defending the abusive pattern in your family because it's Mm -hmm. familiar. That looks like defending your stance because it's familiar, because you've decided and concluded. And really what you're revealing is that you are not willing to go where you don't, you're not familiar with stuff. That's all it is. What's so scary out there? What's so scary about not playing the victim? What is so terrifying about not being the villain? What is so terrifying of not being the victim any longer? What that will reveal to you, if you're willing to let go of that and go into the unfamiliar, you will find where your strengths are. You'll find where the lies are. You'll find where the games that you're playing. You'll find it all, and you'll be able to be a choice. But you've got to be willing to really just be curious, like, what, who would I be if I wasn't the victim in every fucking story I ever told? Who would I actually be? Mm-hmm. What role would I play in my life if I was not the superior asshole to everybody I met? Who, what role would I play then? Like, that's where you get really curious about all of this. At least from my experience, that's where I got really curious about all this. It might just piss you off. I don't know what you're going to experience. Don't try it. <laughs> <laughs> but you have a choice. It, that, that's the biggest message, I think, is you have a choice to leave the familiarity of the triangle, the triangle if you want it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I remember years ago when I realized that I desired something very different in relationship than I had seen. Like I kept looking around in the world and, and like for decades I'd look and I'd look and I'd look and I'd look and I'm like, no, that's not it. No, that's not it. No, that's not it. No. And I'd find, I'd find relationships that were, I'm like close, but no cigar. Like I'm like, well, that's about as, that's closer. And I kept looking and looking and looking and because there was an energy there, there's an energy that I knew was possible. I hadn't seen it being lived in any of the relationships that I knew, but I kept looking and looking and looking and looking. And I just kept holding on to what I knew of the energy. And um, (laughs) this is, wow, this is just popping as a memory. Um, I was in Ireland facilitating classes a few years back and uh, had been out I was staying in a hotel and the, the people, the woman who was hosting me, I'd been out to dinner or whatever and, you know, out and about. So she's dropping me off at the hotel. Um, and, and it was raining. So I remember like rushing to the, to get to the door and swing the door open and running in the door to get out of the rain because it's pouring rain. And I walked in the door and literally right in front of me sitting in the lobby was a couple, an older couple, I don't know, older than me. I don't know how old they were. And they were sitting in the lobby and uh, they were in two chairs. And there was a gap of maybe, you know, a foot or, or, or a foot and a half in between them. And they had their arms out, just just very 
casually in a very relaxed fashion kind of crossed uh, across one another. And I will, I will never forget this moment for as long as I live. I, I rushed in that door to get out of the rain and right there in front of me, this couple, and it hit me like nothing ever before. I was instantly aware that the energy that that couple embodied was the energy that I knew was possible in relationship. And I was instantly brought to tears. I mean, my whole body sort of like almost went weak and I was just like, Oh my God. And I, and I stumbled through the lobby to get to the elevator because it was so unexpected. I mean, like I said, I've been looking and looking and looking for decades and just trusting that it was trusting in that energy and trusting it and knowing that it was possible to create. And even though I'd never seen it, I had no evidence for it whatsoever. And then suddenly in this random moment, I walk into the hotel and there it is sitting right in front of me. And I was like, I was speechless. I couldn't, I mean, it was just like my whole world went into a spin. And I remember, you know, I started weeping, crying and, and, you know, pushing the button in the elevator because I wanted to get up to my room and I got up to my room and I sat down on my bed and I just sobbed. I sobbed and I sobbed and I sobbed and I sobbed because it was like the universe showed me that the thing I had been looking for all my life and trusting was possible. There it was total strangers. I don't know anything about them. I don't know anything about what their relationship looks like, but I know that the relationship embodies the energy that I knew was possible. And part of why that was so meaningful to me was because before that, years before that, I took the risk to go out and say, I'm going to facilitate. I mean, I've been facilitating people in relationship for many years before that. And I had been teaching about uh, classes. I'd I'd been facilitating classes on relationship before that. Like, even though I had never seen it, I had no evidence for it, I hadn't even experienced it myself in relationship, I was willing to go out and say, I'm going to facilitate courses on relationship. I'm going to facilitate couples and singles in relationship based on what I know is possible. And and there are people that, that uh, were, even though they didn't have a sense of what that looked like, per se, how it got outpictured, they also trusted that or desired something else than they had seen, wanted something more than they had had as an experience so far. And so when I saw that couple, it was, I mean, you could say validation, acknowledgement, whatever, but it was just, it was like a gift to me. It was like a gift to me in that moment. And and so for, part of why am I telling this whole story is the way I know relationship or, or, or the way of relating, forget the word relationship, the way of relating that I was desiring and that I knew was possible. That's what I was talking about. There's a way of relating with one another that is off the triangle where you're not playing these roles of I'll play villain to your victim or I'll play hero to your victim or like you, you play victim to my hero all of those roles and all of those ways that we've talked about the last three days, the way of relating that I desired and that I knew was possible wasn't that. I didn't know what it was, but I know I'm like, it's not that. <laughs> it's, it's not that. I kept looking and going, nope, it's definitely not that. And so I had to be willing to trust something that I had never seen in evidence in this, in this lifetime, in this life, and know that that's what I desired and, and be willing to take whatever risk 
to, to create it in my life, no matter how foolish people thought, you know, you know, you're full of shit, that's crazy, that's impossible, you'll never find anybody like that, you'll never, you know, whatever they told me, I had to be willing to risk choosing that. That's what I wanted actually more than anything, was to find a way of relating with other people that, that didn't involve the triangle, because it's so pervasive, it's so insidious, it's everywhere in pretty much every way that people relate, and I wanted something different. I didn't care if right. there was familiarity and safety in the triangle. I wanted something different, and I was going to be determined and tenacious until I created it. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. I love that story, and I love when when we we don't have to know. We don't have to have proof. We just say, you know, I know this is possible. I know this is possible. We live into it's possible. It is possible. That's all that we we just keep living into it. And every single time we engage in any kind of relating to another person or speaking words, where we reiterate that it is not possible, we are contradicting our own creation and our own desires. And so if you're saying, I want something different than the drama, I'm tired of the drama, it's exhausting to me, are you willing to follow the breadcrumbs of possibility that are not that? That's all you've got to be aware of. Are you willing to follow those? Because it's not about guarantees. It's not about guarantees. Hell, it took me, you know, as long as it took me until I went, oh, that's what I was looking for all along. You know, it's and sometimes you go through, you know, learning experiences, and it's the judgment about them that makes you either, you know, conclude that they're right or wrong. Or you can go, wow, that's what I learned from that, and that's what I learned from that, and that's what I learned from that. It's why I have no shame about my, you know, number of relationships I've been in, divorces. Where I don't have any shame about it. I learned every single person I've ever been in a relationship, whether it's friendship, an intimate physical relationship, marriage, it does not matter. Every single one of them had been a learning opportunity for me. And it was up to me to learn whatever there was there, whether it was peaceful and kind or love. It's up to me to learn what there is to learn from. And that's what I choose. It's just how I choose to engage with life. I follow those breadcrumbs. What can I learn from this? And, you know, there 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 does come a point to, is it going to, sorry, is it going to contribute to what I want to create? Am I going to eat that breadcrumb or going to leave it for somebody else that it, it will contribute to what they create? Like, they may want that one. I'm just going to leave it there. Instead of judging it as wrong, I'm just going to leave it right there. I'm going to keep on going and follow the next breadcrumb that does contribute to what I want to create. And I think that's a, a distinction. I'm glad that came to mind right then so that I followed yeah. through. Because, you know, yeah. just because it doesn't feed your dream or your vision does not mean it's wrong. That's, yeah. that's the key. Just because you don't, you, it's not taking you where you want to go does not mean it's wrong. I mean, if I'm heading to New York and there's a low county road that's going to take me, you know, to Oklahoma City, just because I'm not going to take that because it doesn't further my path to New York does not mean that road is wrong and should not be well-worn by others. And I think that's the difference, you know, is just follow your own breadcrumbs. Create what you want, whatever that is. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love that distinction. You know, uh, that's not for me. 
just having mm-hmm. that clarity of like, you know, no, that's not for me. That might be exactly what somebody else is looking for, but that's not for me. And, and like you said, it bears repeating. That doesn't mean making it wrong. It's just aware that's not for me. And I think, you know, as we're talking about, I, I'm having this uh, aware, energetic awareness of like the dissolution, the dissolving of the drama triangle as we've known it. And mm-hmm. as people really begin to trust their inner authority, like we're just saying, that's not for me. That doesn't make it wrong if someone else chooses it. It's just not for me. Like being able to have that much of allowance of ourselves and other people, like really that willingness to trust in ourselves, to, to trust our own inner compass, our own inner authority. Wow. Mm-hmm. As we're talking about that, as the possibility that I certainly am leaning into it's the dissolution of the drama triangle as what's right. There's actually a rightness about the way people interact on the drama triangle. And, and right now there seems to be this prevailing point of view that if you don't, if you're not in that rightness, even if it's, even if it's hellish, even if it's causing you misery and suffering, there's a rightness that the risk of being perceived as weird, as different, you know, like, uh, like, like I said, I, I knew people were going to judge me when I was like, I'm going to go find this thing that even though I have no evidence for it, I'm going to go, I'm going to go find it. <laughs> I'm going to go follow the breadcrumbs mm-hmm. of possibility. And, and, and there's been plenty of people in my life who stand back and they're like, okay, there she goes on one of her crazy adventures again. And they're just going to watch. They're just going to watch. And I'm, I'm like, you know what? That's cool. You want to watch? I'm willing yeah. to be that different. Ah, I love it. Comment in the, in the chat room, the good girl on the triangle. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> we will be seen as right by following that, um, that structure, that orientation, that how, whatever you want to call it, we will be seen as normal people. Hmm. I somewhere along the way, normal lost its appeal for me. <laughs> I might have been really young. I don't know. <laughs> but somewhere along the way, normal lost its appeal for me, and what's natural and intrinsic and and sincere and genuine in me, authentic if you want to use that word, became far more rewarding, far more fulfilling. And that's perhaps that shift to um, outsourcing your inner authority. I feel, mm-hmm. I feel the uh, <laughs> our conversation from yesterday, Jen, is bleeding in because I know where we're going into right. the future uh, after this week, right? Where we've, we mm-hmm. outsource our inner authority because if you're on the triangle, let's face it, you've outsourced your inner authority to actually claiming that inner authority and saying, I don't need to be on that triangle anymore to feel right, to feel normal, to feel like I fit in. I don't need to live at the effect of all that the the drama um, creates. Unless it's fun for you. And we've talked about that before. It's fun for you. Knock yourself out. Have a good time. Enjoy the ride. But for those of us who are ready to say, not so fun anymore, I've had enough, normal, like, <laughs> just what popped into my head is like, what if, what if, um, like, what's authentic to you is the new black? 
<laughs> you know, it's well, it's no longer about proving my rightness and my my uh uh ability to fit in but uh-huh. really honoring what's true for me. Right. You know, I so for those of you who don't know, I love to write songs with my wife and I rewrite music together and I'm always playing with words, and I, and so song lyrics kind of come up. And and one of the things that I did was, as I was going through one of my training things, there was this point where it's like, okay, so do you know create kind of your mantra and what you're saying. And and what I did was I turned a country song into I changed the words of it. And the words just came back into my mind, and, and it goes to an old country classic song. But the words are, if loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right, okay? But what I did was I turned it into, if being me is wrong, I don't want to be right. And so listening to you, I was like, that's kind of that situation. If being me is wrong, I don't, I'm not interested in being right. I, right isn't what I want. And for myself, in fact, Sherry and I play a game a lot about how wrong can I be. When we start getting kind of rigid, we, we've done it on weekend stuff, like how wrong can I be? And we will, we will deliberately say the wrong things on purpose to burst ourselves out of the pattern of trying to be right. And so there's, like there's games in improv where you point at your nose, but you say a different body part. Like this is my elbow while I'm pointing at my nose. And, and then the other person then points at what you said, not what you pointed at. So they would then touch your elbow and say, this is my knee. And then you would touch you up. And so it gets you out of that thing of I've got to do it right. I've got to do it right. And you're intentionally fucking it up. Like how fucked up can you do this to give yourself permission to be wrong? So that wrong no longer holds you captive from you being you. And as this unfolds, like how, how big of a mess are you willing to create or be or express in your world, in your life, if it sets you free? Freedom from, you know, your auto response system, if freedom from sameness, if you being you is what you would receive, how wrong are you willing to be? Playing that game, mm. that's a good time. That's a good time. Mm-hmm. It is. And, I mean, that's that's the thing we've said on occasion here on the show. When we're sharing something and, and it's like, well, I'm, I might be wrong about this, but in this 10 seconds, you know, in this moment, this is what's true for me. This is what I'm willing to to live, knowing that, you know, mm-hmm. in a week, I might be like, yeah, yeah, well, that was, that was, you know, a week ago. That no longer applies. <laughs> and, and that's part of, you know, trusting ourselves, trusting our inner authority is, is having a willingness to not make right or wrong be uh, the determining factor of how we function in the world. We, we, yep. we, we talked about that, hacking right and wrong. If it's not how I determine myself, you know, how am I relative to what's right in the world? How am I what's relative with, you know, relative to what's wrong in the world? If I'm not allowing that to be the determining factor, I can just be me. I love it. If being me is wrong, I don't want to be right. Like, it's no longer relevant. I don't, I don't, that's not my compass anymore. Right and wrong is not the compass, but compass by which I 
create my life. Just want to. Mm-hmm. I just want to be in whatever way feels most authentic to me in that moment, knowing that that is changeable. I mean, actually, that was one of the things that in my in my year, all my years of dating, and of course meeting my current partner, I was like, look, just when you think you have me all figured out, I'm going to be different. <laughs> <laughs> if you're if you're if if you're looking for someone who's going to be predictable, who's going to be consistent, that's not me. I'm I'm changing all the time. And, you know, I might tell you one thing one one month or one year and then completely change my point of view after that. It's just what's mm-hmm. true for me in the moment. I'm I'm exploring all the time. I'm willing that I, I have a complete willingness to uh to I reserve the right to change my mind, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, right. there's a lot of judgment in that, people having to be consistent, be predictable. And if that's what makes you comfortable, then you need to go find somebody who's going to be that for you so you can be comfortable because I'm not that. And I'm willing to just be that difference. The drama triangle is not a place where you're going to shine in your difference. Mm-hmm. You know, Okay, so true confessions of Jen. I was really good at picking really boring, very stay-the-same partners so that Mm. my little changes of me and my little quirks that I was allowed to be really looked like big stretches. It looked like I was really outrageous according to them, but really according (laughs) to me, I was playing small. Like, and, and I can remember one of my best friends calling me out on it. She, she just sat there and she looked at me and she goes, you are, I finally figured it out. I'm like, what? And she says, you know what? You look outrageous in this world. When you surround me with the, you know, the intellectual lifestyle, you surround with the norms of society of trying to fit into what does, you know, professional women look like? What, what do, you know, crime investigation what do, what does that look like you put me in the middle of that shit i stand out like it looks like i am outrageous all the time but really that's according to them so i was playing it safe and she called me out on it like oh my gosh you are so right and it was one of the funniest moments i remember we were sitting on the porch and having some drinks late at night. And I remember just laughing and laughing and laughing and laughing. And my echoes laughing throughout the golf course and the neighborhood and off the houses and everything where we were at because I realized how I had made myself appear to be playing a game of risk while I was completely playing safe. And I had to realize that myself in order to choose differently. It was up to me. You see, but a lot of people, when they get stuck in this, they try to change everybody around them to accommodate them. Mm. And instead, what I did was, I mean, when that awareness came to me, is like I started doing stand-up improv. I started doing comedy. And this <laughs> included like a platinum blonde wig Picture a cross between Dolly Parton and Paula Deen and, you know, the bright pink lips and the fake eyelashes and extreme makeup and pink sunglasses, the whole nine yards. And I would go out and do improv. 
that's what I did. I was like, yeah, that is playing small. And I went bigger. And I kept going bigger. And I kept going bigger. And then I realized, yeah, I don't even belong in that world. I don't belong in that world. That world was busy making me wrong and judging and wanting me to toe down and don't embarrass me in public. And, you know, like, really? You're going to say to me, don't embarrass you in public? Are you kidding? Do you know what that makes me want to do? (laughs) 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 Please don't call up the rebel at this moment. And so I, I kept going and I kept evolving. And they weren't wrong. They, you see, those people that I was choosing, they are happy there. They're fine. They're choosing it. They created that environment. They're succeeding in that environment. It works for them. I was the one that was playing the game. I was not being authentic. And so as, as time has evolved, part of this piece of what is, does this look like is going into the un, very unfamiliar landscape of ha, being in relationship with somebody that I'm not sure who's crazier. I'm truly not sure which of us is more wacky. Or random, <laughs> or funny, or just you know wing nuts. I'm not sure, but I do know that we we call it out in each other more and more. We don't dial it down, and so instead of judging those that I was around, I started asking, "Why am I here?" If I'm judging the horror, the discomfort of the drama, or how people are treating me, I start asking, "Wait a minute, hold on. If you all aren't wrong." I got to ask myself, why exactly am I here in this dynamic? How did I put myself here? Probably because it's familiar. Because I bought into that it'd be safe. Or that I'm obligated because it's family. And where is your choice Mm. now? Mm. Amazing insight when you get curious. Mm -hmm. And so much more space for choice when you get curious. When you start looking at, you know, what's just always been safe and familiar, and and rather than just continuing down that road of safe and familiar, asking yourself some questions. Is this really the most fulfilling way I could be living my life? Is this really the greatest expression of me that I enjoy? What do you know? Right. What do you know? One of the things that (laughs) – this is is a fascinating, um, you know, growing up in an environment where judgment was – uh, everywhere. Like my father, I, I've shared, he's critical. It was judgment, 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 judgment. So I just did what they did. I just judged. I, I got really good at judgment, like really, really good. I, I could do contempt and disdain and with the best of them. I mean, I was like professional judger. And what's mm-hmm. interesting is uh, as I made the choice to break up with judgment over, and it took a while, what I discovered is that there's nothing about that that was that's authentic to me allowance that space of allowance is like ecstasy for me it's like ecstatic it's it's i feel more me in that space of allowance than i ever did when i was so busy judging everything and everyone including myself and creating all that separation so one of the things that it's taken my partner uh a while and he if you asked him he'd probably still tell you that he's still not used to it is that i don't judge him He's so used to people uh, judging him, especially the women in his life, for not doing enough or being enough or, uh, you know, his choices, 
Um, and I, I remember having to say to him one time, I said, look, just because I don't agree doesn't mean I'm criticizing you. Those two things are not automatic. People can disagree with one another without it mm-hmm. being a criticism. And I, I, I remember the look on his face. He was like, wait, what? Like, that isn't automatic? Yep. Like, disagreement isn't automatic criticism? I'm like, no. I could, just, I could share a different point of view. I see it differently. Here's, here's what I might choose in your position. That doesn't mean I'm criticizing you. That doesn't make it mean I'm making you wrong. Like, he's still, every once in a while, I can feel the te- tentativeness of him sharing something because he's, he's concerned that I'm going to judge him for it. And I'm like, nope. Mm-hmm. I, it doesn't feel good for me to judge. I, 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 I'm to the place now where, like, crappy. Mm-hmm. To create that space in relationship is what I was desiring. And, and I had to break up a judgment to, to realize it in my life, to experience it. And now that I have it, mm-hmm. I wouldn't turn back for anything. Discovering right. what's you true know, for what, you. Sorry about that. Yeah. Sherry and I, that one of my biggest things with her when she used to be in that auto response of this means you're saying I'm wrong because, you know, there's a disagreement or whatever, is I would just look at her and say, I gain nothing by you being wrong. There, Nobody is wrong here. And it took, it probably took about six months of that blank stare before she could start to hear that. Mm-hmm. And once she could start to hear it, curiosity kicked in, and we started playing the how wrong can we be today game because it was <laughs> an attachment. It was an addiction, so to speak, of how wrong can I be so that I can be sure that my calling, my role in life is secure. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't get it. Like you being wrong is not turning me on. You being wrong doesn't make me happy. It doesn't make you better. It doesn't make you pitiful. I don't, I don't understand what you're doing. And she started going, oh, I'm not even playing with the same players of the game of life. This, no, this belief no longer serves. Therefore, she could let it go. But it was up to her. I just kept no matter what showed up. I, I love you no matter what. Like, I, I don't have any reason for you to be wrong. So are you willing to give yourself that? If you didn't have to make yourself wrong, what could you love about yourself? What could you like about yourself? What would you enjoy about yourself if you did not need to make yourself wrong to keep yourself in the game? And if you didn't have to be right, what could you enjoy and like and love about yourself also, both sides? What would change if there was no right or wrong with it? So there we go. Okay. So you might have, you might have joy show. overload if you can, if you're willing to receive that. <laughs> you might get a little uncomfortable with how much pleasure you can experience. Okay. So we've got to wrap up this show because tomorrow we are going into releasing control. Cause that you may not know it, but there's a lot of attachment to trying to control what's going on on the drama triangle. And that's tomorrow. So we will be back tomorrow here, same time on Seducing Aliveness. We look forward to having you joining us. And so thank you, Tamara, for being here. And we will talk to you tomorrow, everybody. Thank you so much. I'm Jen Halterman. That's Tamara. Talk to you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.